Welcome to episode 34 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. Today, we'll be talking about the American Red Cross's Military and Veteran Caregiver Network an organization that provides peer-based support and services to provide connection between those providing care to service members and veterans living with wounds, illnesses, injuries, and or aging. My guest today is Melissa Como, a Marine Corps spouse, writer, and director of the American Red Cross Military and Veteran Caregiver Network. She is known for her book, Sleeping with the War, published in 2015 by the War Writers Campaign. She served as an Arizona Fellow for the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and is a recognized advocate for the military and veteran community. You can find out more about Melissa by checking out her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. As the director of the Military and Veteran Caregiver Network for the American Red Cross, you manage a program that provides peer support and services to caregivers supporting service members and veterans, but from that work comes from your own personal experience supporting your veteran. That's correct. So I have been a caregiver now for over a decade. My husband served both in Iraq and Afghanistan, and our story is a little bit different. I gradually became his caregiver. In fact, I didn't even know I was a caregiver until a nurse identified me as that. I have a story I always tell about being in Camp Pendleton, waiting for him to come out of a test. And the nurse came out and said, oh, are you Stephen's caregiver? And I said, no, 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 no. My husband's young because, of course, I think caregivers for our aging population. My grandmother had a caregiver and I knew what that was. And then she kind of gave me a look and I was like, no, 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 I'm just his wife. And very kindly, she said, you're probably both. And that one time being called a caregiver stuck with me. I then researched what a caregiver was. I looked up that there were other people going through this. I was trying to find supports that could really talk to this experience that I was having as my husband brain injury diagnosis, post-traumatic stress disorder, walking that walk along with someone and knowing that the tasks that you do to support their mental well-being, their medical care, that's actually called caregiving. And it's above and beyond what your spousal duties are. So that's how we got started in this. I really, I wish there were more people at the beginning. I wish there were more networks and more support, more other firsthand experiences I could learn from. So that's really what led me to work in this space. So I got selected as a fellow for the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and learned so much there and was able to work on the Hill and learn about different policies and start the Hidden Heroes Congressional Caucus for military and veteran caregivers, along with other caregivers and representatives. And then my true heart was always in trying to find those peers, how to find those caregivers that I could connect to and we could talk about the tough stuff and no need for that long backstory of my husband served here and here and, you know, and then we had a baby and you you could just cut right to it. Like we're having a really hard day today and 
this is what's going on and be wrapped in the support of only those I totally know what you're talking about kind of conversations can can give you. And so they happened late at night. They happened definitely not business hours. And when I got the opportunity to help build the military and veteran caregiver network, we were actually at TAPS at the time, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And under the leadership of Bonnie Carroll and, and Dr. Linda Davis, they really used their 25 plus years of expertise in the survivor community peer support and change the scope to caregiving. And, and people are like survivors and caregiving, they're very different. True, but there's grief in both of them. And so I think coming out of that grief model, understanding the loss, even if someone doesn't die, there's a loss if you become a caregiver and a loss in capacity, a loss in the future that you thought you might have, all these ambiguous losses. And we took two evidence-based peer support practices, the reciprocal peer support model, which is out of Rutgers University, and the companioning model, which is from Dr. Alan Wolfelt um, out in Colorado. And we just set up to build caregivers that could offer good quality peer support to one another. And I think that's a, a very critical thing. The need for peer support is very significant. You, you talk about the various losses, but in my conversations with caregivers, one of the most significant is a loss of identity, right? You're no longer the spouse. You're no longer the the partner or, or whatever role you had, that there's this, and definitely the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, the Hidden Heroes, I've heard it described as the shadow behind the shoulder, right? The, that the wounded service member gets a lot of attention, but the caregiver is really the one that's standing just behind them supporting them, or they're up on stage with them. When, But a lot of the spotlight is is on the service member, but really it's the caregiver who is the one behind the scenes really making a lot of that success happen. You are absolutely correct. I hear that all the time. Caregivers say things like, oh, I'm just a caregiver. And I like to say, no, no, you're never just anything. And a lot of people do give up careers. Uh, they give up relationships. They give up locations to take on this caregiving. And it does mess with your identity. You do start to feel that all I am is this shadow behind the hero. This person that's whole rich life is now focused on someone else's rich life. And it can be hard. We work very hard to encourage our caregiver peers to engage with things that make them feel more whole, more themselves. You'll hear the self-care, self-care, self-care. And a lot of that is really at the hope to get people to feel more than just a caregiver. You also might be a writer. You also might really be a runner or you're still a mom, a friend, a veteran yourself. There's a lot to it that we really encourage caregivers to stay in touch with because having your identity lost in the care of someone else doesn't help that veteran you're caring for. And it certainly doesn't help you. And a lot of times if the caregiver is experiencing those challenges, then that of course impacts the care that they're able to give. It's one of those, you talk about the reciprocal model of peer support, but just that relationship is reciprocal. And so if the, the caregiver themselves doesn't feel some stability or some confidence or a number of different things, then that can ultimately result in, I don't want to say poorer care for the service member or veteran, but it's it's a challenge. One of the best statistics or findings I've read out of research came from the RAND report, the Hidden Heroes RAND report. And it said that if a well-supported caregiver is actually one of the best indicators for the health outcomes of the veteran they serve. So just exactly what you're saying, if the caregiver is supported and feeling 
good about their role, feeling good about their life and, and the, the system now that they're a part of, they are absolutely going to provide better care to that veteran. The veteran's going to have a better environment to rehab and recover in. And the long-term health outcomes for that veteran are actually directly related to the caregiver's health and well-being. So thinking of this this dynamic or this system, because oftentimes it's not just one caregiver. There might be children in the home. There might be parents that are also helping the system. If the system's healthy, it has healthy outcomes for the veteran that everyone's trying to care for. And so, and that's one of the things, as you mentioned, you started doing it out of necessity on your own, and then you started doing it extracurricularly with sort of the groups that you were engaged in. But then now you're doing it professionally and talking about the challenges the caregiver experience, both with visible injuries, as well as the invisible wounds of war. How does the Red Cross Military Veteran Caregiver Network support those that are supporting wounded, ill, or injured service members? So at the American Red Cross, we are serving caregivers of all eras. So not just post 9-11. This goes back as far as World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and even non-combat or non-wartime veterans. Anyone who's caring for a service member or veteran is welcome to join the Military and Veteran Caregiver Network. We also serve veterans who are caregivers themselves. So oftentimes people don't recognize that a veteran after a long military career can then have to be a caregiver for their spouse or maybe their aging parents or special needs children. We're also supporting those veterans. And the way we do that is really threefold. We have three evidence-based peer support programs. We were started out of a joining forces initiative to support caregivers specifically. And the first is our peer mentor program. This is your traditional one-on-one peer mentorship where caregivers can fill out a profile. I call it our caregivermatch.com. And you're going to fill out a profile based on a lot about who you're caring for. So it does tap into the wounds, the illnesses, the era of service, but also what you're hoping to get out of a mentorship. Some people are hoping to learn about new resources and get referrals. Others are just looking for a safe place to talk about tufts. So both the caregiver who wants a mentor and the caregiver who is a mentor will fill out these profiles and they'll get matched based on the closest lived experience. These Our mentors are all trained. All of our volunteers are given the core competencies of caregiver peer support, as well as role-specific training. So a caregiver peer mentor will get a peer mentor training because offering support in a one-on-one situation is a little bit different than like a group or even online. And then our next peer support program is our peer support groups. And this is by far and away our most popular program. This is where caregivers can come together in a group setting, which is facilitated by trained peer facilitators. So it's not a professional leading the group. It is truly a peer support group. And they just talk about their caregiver journey and lean on each other and share wins. And it's really beautiful. During the pandemic, of course, we had to pivot all of them to online. We've always had everything online. Whoa, it took off in the pandemic. We doubled in size, going from about 4,000 caregivers to now over 8,000. And it just continues to build. And we have caregivers that come week over week. We have caregivers that drop in. But really creating those little groups where people can come in and learn from each other, share, not feel so alone, hear helpful tips. The the peer support groups really are the most popular. And then lastly, we have our secure, custom, caregiver-only online community. And this operates 24-7 for caregivers to have a safe place to connect on a range of topics. There's over 50 topics in the community, things like benefits and compensation, legal and financial employment and workplace support, children and youth, 
So there's topics that caregivers can engage with, as well as other organizations. So the word network in our name is so deliberate. It's not just a network of caregivers. It's also a network of organizations that are supporting. So you'll see uh, Wounded Warrior Project's Independence Program. You'll see Operation Family Caregiver, Blue Star Families. All of these organizations also have programming to support caregivers. And this is like a one-stop shop where they can come and learn about them and engage further. So that operates 24-7. Currently, we're doing an event with Psych Armor called Continuing the Conversation. And that's where we've taken some micro courses from Psych Armor out of their series, Conversations with Caregivers. And we're continuing the conversation. It's that social learning element where caregivers can all get together, watch a minute video and talk about what they learned or what they think could be added or what their own experience with subject matter is. So that's been very popular as well. But the three programs really come together. We have caregivers that are in all three. We have ones that are strictly going to work one-on-one, those that only want to work in a group environment, and then, of course, those that only want to engage online. Uh, That's been very popular through the pandemic, and I think we have all had a little bit of Zoom fatigue or Teams fatigue. But we also have text-only options. So caregivers can come to us, and we use Slack in a way before everyone else was using it. We have always used it as our caregiver channel to talk to caregivers. And so we have an open forum that's live once a week where caregivers can come and get that tech support. So whether you're sitting right next to your care recipient, so it's inappropriate to talk or be on camera, or maybe you're in a hospital setting or waiting room setting, or again, inappropriate to be on your phone or something like that, you can get this tech support. And that that has been going on since our inception and just keeps building. It's very popular for those that can't get on camera. We also pride ourselves on being the friendly technology. I said we serve caregivers of all eras. Not everyone loves the computer. Not everyone has internet. So how do you reach those people? We can't necessarily give them internet or come to their home and set it up for them, but we do pride ourselves on being the friendly technology. And everyone on our team and all of our volunteers are trained in this culture of friendly technology. Oh, you need your password reset? I'll help you do that a hundred times. You don't know where your email is? Let's talk through that on the phone. We do a lot of things to help bridge that divide and help people be more comfortable with this because we know that the technology barrier, once you get that down, it opens up a world of support for people that have been isolated for too long. And I think that's a really critical point as I'm hearing you talk about the different programs. It's about connection in order to relieve the isolation. Because again, the burden of a caregiver can be extremely isolating in that perhaps if there's physical injuries that are so significant that's taking up so much of your attention, you're not going out and and hanging out with friends or anything else. Or if there's invisible wounds that sort of cause some different behaviors in which you're not connected socially in some different ways. And so in a number of different ways, caregivers are very much isolated. And the one-on-one peer mentoring, the peer mentor groups, the caregiver online community, even this individual sort of unofficial tech support is all a way to help caregivers feel less isolated, provided by people who, as you mentioned before, understand what it's like. Absolutely. And social isolation is our That's what we started trying to fix. That's the whole point of the Military and Veteran Caregiver Network. We talk about connection, engagement, knowledge, skills, and hope. Hope is our metric. But it becomes so isolating to be a caregiver. You do. You become lonely. You stop getting invited to things because you might need extra time or it doesn't work, or maybe there's a fall right before you're supposed to get there. And all of that contributes to some of the identity issues. It hurts 
Many veterans themselves are very isolating because of their injuries, and that can just trickle through an entire family. So anything you can do to help with that social isolation is going to make a big difference. And you mentioned some of the work that you're doing with PsychArmor, and you've partnered with PsychArmor not just on the work that you're doing now with the, the caregiver conversations, but to produce a number of courses. And you have some more set to be released in the future. What can you tell us about the work that you've done with PsychArmor? I love PsychArmor. I have been a huge follower of theirs for, for many years now. And I started with their course, Military 101, and I was asked to just do one little slide on what a military veteran caregiver was. And so right off the bat, they're ahead of the game because not all the time is the caregiver perspective put in that early. It, it usually comes a little later. So in their Military 101 course, I got to do a, this was my very first time doing any online curriculum, recording my voice, creating content, things like that. So that was the first course that I did with them. And then I was honored to serve on an advisory board for caregivers because PsychArmor really wanted to understand the caregiver journey and uh, create courses that could benefit caregivers, maybe skill set or self-care. So I've worked for years watching the content evolve and, and advising on, on different subjects that they've brought up and met excellent experts that are all out here trying to support caregivers. And then I guess most recently I have done the VA SAVE training for caregivers. And the VA SAVE training is a suicide prevention piece. It's for providers who can, in their works with caregivers, should be aware that they might have their own suicidal ideations and should understand the risks and know what to do for caregivers that might be facing suicide. Oftentimes when we talk about caregivers and suicide prevention, it's how they can prevent the suicide of the veteran they might be caring for. And in all of the communities, in all of the years that I've done this, there's been this quiet rumbling of, I feel like that too sometimes. Mm -hmm. Caregivers get exhausted. There have been more and more opportunities to talk about these tough feelings, the depression, the burnout, but it really can lead to suicide for caregivers. So creating a course to help those providers, help those supporters maybe know and recognize and what to do if a caregiver presents with some suicidal ideation can be really helpful. And we're hoping to save lives with this. I think that's one of the critical conversations around suicide prevention in the military and veteran community. Again, what we were talking about at the beginning of the focus is always on the service member or veteran themselves. These national numbers we're talking about, however they fluctuate, it's all about the, the service member and veteran. And there's this hidden larger group uh, it, probably equally as large of military spouses, military children, veteran spouses and children who are also dying by suicide. And so really there's a need to not focus on the caregiver as an adjunct to the veteran, right? So you have the veteran themselves, but then you have, again, these shadows behind their family, but really looking at the caregiver themselves as the individual that needs support. So who's supporting, who's caring for the caregiver? Absolutely. And no one heals in a vacuum. That systems approach, the, it is a system behind that veteran. And to look at everyone in that system and recognize that they deserve support as well, it comprehensively helps everyone. We really have to work hard to look a little past the wheelchair to the person who's pushing, or maybe notice that person that came in with all the bags or the you know, one wrangling the children while someone is having a medical appointment. There's a lot that goes into caregiving that's behind the scenes and not noticed. And the more we can recognize this role, recognize what these caregivers are doing, the more we can create support for them. But it really does start with that identity, pulling them out of the shadows, not calling them hidden, but getting them to a place where you are 
real and valid and your part in this experience matters. And we're going to support you as well. We're going to create systems that will catch you if you fall. We're going to have peer networks that you can go to and and share in a real way. We're going to have benefits for you at the VA. They are really working hard to try and change this dynamic where it is such a hidden hero to someone that is valid and there and focused and can get the support they need on what is often a lifetime journey of caregiving. Absolutely. And I think that's great. And even as you said, in the past 10 years, we've made a lot of advances. And as we now transition into, say, another 50 years of caring for those who are, again, the aging veteran population, but also Veterans Global War on Terror, great to hear that the Red Cross is really taking an active role in supporting this. So if people wanted to find out more about what the military and veteran caregiver program at the Red Cross is doing, how can they find that out? The easiest way to get a hold of the Red Cross caregiver programs is to just go to redcross.org slash caregivers. On that website, you'll see the easy way to sign up to join our network. You'll find our Hero Care Resource Directory, which has at least 800 resources for every zip code in America. So you can find resources for PTSD, for caregiving, for end-of-life care, for various diagnoses, for your veteran, for your children. We also have a caregiver calendar that has a schedule of events that are focused for caregivers. They're not just our events, not just resiliency workshops or peer support groups, but those of our incredible partners that are also putting out great events for caregivers to engage with. Sometimes they're in your community, not often with COVID, but a lot of them are accessible online. So no matter where you are, you can learn about supports, you can get some education and training, or you can maybe even just have some fun, get some respite. But having those things all on redcross.org slash caregiver makes it really easy for caregivers to access. That's great. And I'll make sure that the link to that and the SAVE training as it's released will be in our show notes. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. In our conversation, Melissa highlighted the benefit of shared experience in establishing trust and peer support. When she described being able to get beyond the initial get-to-know-you information about military life and to the real problems that a particular caregiver is facing, she was describing shared background knowledge common information that is essential to understanding a situation or a problem. A person's shared background knowledge is the accumulation of their experiences. Once acquired, that knowledge is used to inform any current information being processed. Here's an example I once heard. Take the phrase, Jennifer puts the kettle on the stove so she can make herself some tea. In order for that sentence to make sense, you'd have to know certain things. What kettles and stoves are, how to use them together to make tea, that Jennifer is traditionally a female name, All of these bits of information are the background knowledge that helps us interpret the information that's being presented. Anyone who served or is affiliated with the military shares a base of background knowledge with those who are also affiliated with the military. This is true to a greater or lesser degree. All who served in the military have a general sense of what others experienced, but those in the Air Force, for example, who spent most of their careers in missile bases in the Dakotas, have specific shared background knowledge of others who served in those duty positions and in those locations. The experiences of caregivers for service members and veterans who are living with wounds, illness, injury, or aging is a specific type of background knowledge that makes them uniquely qualified to support others with a similar type of background. Shared background knowledge isn't difficult to acquire. 
Someone without military or caregiver experience can learn quite a bit about these concepts and provide outstanding support. Consider episode 14 of Behind the Mission with Steve Schwab, the CEO of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. Steve did not serve in the military, and he's not a caregiver, but is nationally recognized as a subject matter expert when it comes to military caregiving. Truly effective one-on-one peer support is most beneficial when it comes from a place of trained peers with shared background, knowledge, and experience, and it's great to hear that the Red Cross Military and Veteran Caregiver Network is providing a framework for those connections to happen. The other thing that I appreciate about the network is how Melissa described how her team meets caregivers where they are rather than forcing them to be where they think they should be. This is often something I hear in the therapeutic community as well as the work that I'm doing in suicide prevention. Not everyone is in the same place in their journey to recovery and understanding, and we often lose sight of that. Someone may have been a caregiver for a very long time, but they might have been doing it all alone. They're not as far along in their understanding of the need for community connection as someone who's been in a caregiver network for a long time. We can be easily frustrated when we hear of others experiencing challenges that we think are easily overcome. Melissa talked about the technology barriers and helping someone reset their password as many times as necessary, but it also happens when we hear of others engaging in repeated unhelpful behaviors. Change is neither easy nor quick. It takes effort and it takes a measure of awareness and commitment and even some setbacks before it can really occur. Again, it's great to hear that the Military and Veteran Caregiver Network is providing this kind of support. Caregivers have enough to deal with, and experiencing frustration and judgment is definitely not the basis of a good peer support program. So for this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the series of courses for military and veteran caregivers and families. Sponsored by the USAA Foundation Incorporated, Psych Armor offers courses to help caregivers balance their duties and need for self-care. This library of 45-plus courses provides information, resources, and strategies on how to manage the demands and stressors of caregiving. You can access these courses by going to psychomer.org forward slash caregivers or through the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psychomer.org forward slash BTM34, as well as on the Psycharmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.